But I, we've timed this out so that uh, we're going to take 45 minutes before we have questions and answers. I deliberated. I wanted to do some more role playing here. But there's three areas that I want to emphasize. Prioritization, organization, and meetings. And so I'm going to take 15 minutes on each one, and then we're going to jump right into the Q&A session. And so uh, we talked over here about, uh, I mentioned that you're going to, when you start uncovering the facts and your people start to contribute and offer ideas and insights and evaluation, the facts are going to start surfacing and coming at you hot and heavy. And uh, ju just to illustrate something very quickly, I can't really unpack it like uh, I, I might if we had just a bit more time, but we're, look, we're gonna get it all in. Uh, but you know, th this is a fact that I mentioned, and let's just take a few more facts that are associated with just this one area of a ministry. A very important area, but just one area. People darken the door, so how many darken the door every time it's open? That's a fact, we need to know that. We need to know, is it up and down? Where, where is it, is it increasing or not? Then how many people made it to this point to, to do the math? So 10 people or 15 people, whatever that is, we need to calculate that number. That would be a high priority. But then how many people came the first time and then how many came back a second time and who didn't come back a second time and who are they and what, were, what are we doing about it? And then the people that came a second time didn't come back a third time and who are they and what are we doing about it? And then the orientation class meet the pastor or our show and tell opportunity to tell them what we want to do in their, in, with them in our midst. And you know, how many people made it to the orientation class and how many didn't and who are they and what are we doing about that? And then how many people came to membership? And uh, however many weeks that is for you, I don't know. You decide, God knows. Hundreds, 30 out of 100. Now, if I put all of these, I'm not gonna take the time, but I, uh, just to illustrate, if I start putting all these up here, all these facts, this thing's gonna look like the Verizon map of America, all red. And so, how many showed up? So we got, now we got 30 out of 100. And that fact is at the, on the table and you're looking at it. And you're, what question are you gonna ask there? My gosh, what are we doing to get people, we can only get less than third of the people into the class and, we're, and this is qual what qualifies them to serve. And we, what, are, what on earth are we doing to promote that class? That's a fact, look at that, that's terrible. So see, every, all your direction and your uh, opportunities are lying there in the facts. It all starts with the facts. So, and then the next week, there's 17 people in there. And that's fact on the, t another red thing on the, t that thing is gonna be chock full of facts and they're red. And, what, and what's the question you're gonna ask now? What, we, we lost almost half the people in one week? What on earth are they teaching in there? And then one of the arrows says, well, Pastor, remember you delegated it to Pastor Bob and then they moved back to Iowa and we've got people in there now, we're pretty sure they've never even been through the class themselves and they're teaching it. And yeah, these are the kinds of things you find out. 
And, and you know, people say, you should write a book. Those are great. I said, that would be depressing. Why would we do <laughs> And then nine people graduate. Oh, that's not too bad. We're only one percentage point below the low end of the national average. And then, and then we got to get them deployed here, right? They're trained now. We got to get them into action. And six of them got into action. Three escaped. And so these are all facts as an example. And how many, how many times have you said, where, where are those people that got saved? I never see them again. There's people who come down here, answer the altar call, and I never see them again. What, where, what happened to that? Well, we, we, uh, we don't know. We have a new converts class, but uh, most of them don't show up. And what do we do? So what are all these question marks? They're all things that need attention. They're all things that need a plan. They're all, they're all things that we have information here. Now we need to act on them. Now we won't be able to do all of them at one time. And this is only one area of the ministry. Very important, but one area of the ministry. Now how to, so we have to begin to prioritize. But let me just make one other point. So we need, to, we need to act. These are all lost sheep. These are sheep that are no longer in the fold. So how does a, how does a shepherd know that a sheep is missing? I know it's not cool today to call the pastor a shepherd and the, us the sheep, you know, but it's still in my training manual. So, so shepherd and sheep. So how does a shepherd know that there's a sheep missing? What, what does it say in here? You know, get, get, get 10 to 15% of them. That'll be close enough. Or does it say 85 to 90% of them? No. What does it say? Get the missing sheep. How does the shepherd know that there's a sheep missing? He has to count the ones he has. So he has to have the facts. We have to know where we stand. You can't, you can't set goals you can't, if you don't have benchmark information. You've got to have the facts. Where do we stand today? You can't, it, the GPS, Siri, she doesn't know where to send you or whoever that lady is that tells you where to go. <laughs> she, the, she, she has to know where you are first. And you have to know where you are in order to provide direction for people to get from here to there. So yeah, we, the shepherd has to count the sheep and then we know there's one missing and they're, they're caught in the thicket over there. We need to get them. We need, we need a plan to get them. We need all of them. Look at all the missing sheep here. Just in one little area of the ministry. Okay, so when this thing is chock full of facts here, like I said, the Verizon map, where do we start? My goodness, where do we start? We have to prioritize. So the first thing you must do is obtain or designate what are the five macro priorities for your entire organization. Doesn't matter what organization it is, any organization. The top five macro priorities. The five most important things that need the greatest amount of change the sooners, based on what God tells you. The five macro priorities. That's the job of a leader, to come up with these. And that's why a leader is focused on the macro priorities and then the way you know you're growing is when the ma today's macro becomes tomorrow's micro and you're taking on the new macro. And every year, there, you, every year at least, 
you should have five macro priorities. And once you do the basic training, then you can go into the part of the basic training that has the 15-step strategic planning process. And the first step is to go to the mountain and how to hear from God. I know you know enough about that to get jump started, but it'll help you become even more proficient. But then we have to establish what are his priorities for you and what you're leading. Then what we do is we break them down so that Aaron here and everybody on your executive team has five priorities. So conceivably one of these five would be here plus four more and another one here plus four more and so forth. Or it may be that there's two here, none here, and then one plus four. None meaning none of these, but then five others. And two here and three others. So it's not a perfect science. You have to weigh the competency. You have to weigh uh, who, where, who has what expertise in what area. And you also want to balance it out so that uh, we have a fighting chance to get it done. We don't want to layer, layer everything on one or two people. So all I'm wanting to, you to see is what we're talking about here is prioritization. Prayer would be the, always be the highest priority. But here we're talking about what needs the greatest amount of change. If God, if you have good prayer, maybe God will speak to you about prayer. You need intercessory prayers. We need to, you know, whatever it is. That's, then that would be a high priority. But I'm, what I'm talking about is what, what is God speaking to you about what needs the greatest amount of change the soonest? Because you can't work on everything at once. You will when you build an infrastructure. But if it's still just you and a, and a team here or you and a few people here and some there, we, we're going to have to prioritize you. But you're always doing this. Okay, so then, then look at how this works. Then here's, here's Aaron's team, and they each have five priorities. And then if you go deeper, like the funnels or the boxes, then down here, everybody in the organization has five priorities. Five is not a legalistic thing. It, you can determine maybe it's four. I like five. I would aim for five. You can have six, but let's not get carried away. Let's knock off the first five and, or knock one of the five off and add another one. You can add as you knock them off. It's, and you want to knock them off. So uh, what, what I'm illustrating here is that you start functioning on priorities. Because you're, when you start, as I've said once, and I'll say it again, as you start to gather the facts, see, you're, you're, every leader is coming to the table to surface more facts. Let's get reality out on the table. So you're going to get that by asking tough questions, depth charge questions. You're going to get that by them coming and bringing you the evaluation here. You're going you're gonna to be gathering, and you should be, gathering as many facts as you can so that you can have as many opportunities as you can to correct things, to build on things, and to enhance things, and to initiate new things. And, and you learn from Levi how you reinvent your organization one meeting at a time, one meeting, one meeting, me. Okay, so we work in priorities. Let me make sure I cover what I, yeah, okay. Now, how do we, how do we organize? This takes a little longer, so let's work on this one. There's three steps to establishing an organization 
based on what? Based on God's mandates, not based on the skeleton crew of warm bodies that we have, because that's not going to get you anywhere. We have to start looking at what is really required of us organizationally to accomplish what he's asking us to do. So that's what I want to illustrate to you. So we have to work. Now, will you have enough people? No. If you've not been doing this, you're going to be deficient in a number of people to fill all the boxes. But we're, let's, learn what, let's learn the three steps. Then you're going to find when you're facing reality that you've got holes all over the place. And now we can work on filling the holes. That'll be a priority. Okay, so the, here's, how it, here's how it can work. Let's, so you got the umbrella priorities, that's your job. And then they're gonna, you give them one of these and then they're gonna tell you what other four, you, and they're submitting to you. Remember the plans, ideas, and so the strategic plan, they're gonna be submitting to you what they think are the four highest goals, priorities, in addition to one of the, yours. And you're gonna prove it, but let them take the first cut at it. Okay, now there's three steps. So the first thing in organizing to meet God's mandates, by the mandates, organization, the first thing is we put the hot, we put a, we have to have a box for every, every function, a box for every function. So what does that mean? Well, that means that children's ministry is the main function, but that's not every function. And I don't know exactly what you have, but you got the, the nursery and the toddlers and the kids this, kids that, super kids, whatever you have. But those are the every function. If it's, uh, what, you, so you have to break it down into every function. Not, we can't just stick one person in there over children and expect much to happen. But we wanna build a team under each function. So the first thing we need is a box for every function. So it looks like this over here, the boxes. That's what I mean by that. And then every, this is key, every function. So you have to look at, analyze the, the sub-functions under the main function. What are the component parts? So we can break it down and put and get a box for every function. So you have a box for nursery, a box for toddlers, a box for super kids. And they do that in all the other divisions or departments of your organization. Okay, then number two, we need a name in every box. A name, so here a box for every function and now a name in every box. And when you do this, in real time, and you start to see where you stand, <clears throat> you're gonna see that, well, we have a hole here, and then we have a hole here, and here, and here, and there, and here, and over here, and then everything south of that is nothing but red holes, nothing down here. But that's okay. We're gonna start, build this team, round this team out, get a full complement of leaders on your A team here, there, and then we gotta fill this hole first. We're gonna fill that hole first. That's the highest priority hole right there. So we're gonna be looking down here at the boxes we do have people in and who, who can move into here or who do we need to focus on and groom them to move into there as fast as we can get them plugged in there. 
So that's, that's what we need to be doing here. And that's, <clears throat> that's a name in every box. And when, when you actually do it this way, a box for every function, name every box, you're gonna find holes like that. But then we have to fill the highest hole. And we'll get to that. Uh, I won't leave you hanging with all those holes. I'll tell you how you can fill the holes. I'll, I'll give you a, a jump start on that as well. So then number three though, is that we need a team under every name. A team under every name. Otherwise, they're, the, the person is doing the work of the department, not leading it. There's, in other words, if you've got here, here's evangelism. Um, let me make this up. Here's evangelism, here's outreach evangelism, event evangelism, marketplace evangelism, uh, and who knows what, and graphics that produces the tracks and the promotions for the events. And so you put Billy Bob in here and you tell him, make it happen. And we're, we're in a meeting here. Uh, Billy, report in. Boy, I can't wait to hear about evangelism. Boy, I can't. The souls are being saved. Praise the Lord. Lives change for the glory of God. Praise the Lord. P report in, Billy. How many, what's going on? How many are saved? And uh, Billy, well, not exactly all you said there, Pastor, but yeah, I mean, it's sort of exciting, but not exactly what you were saying about, about things. Uh, come on, Billy, what, what's, didn't you just have an event the other night? Yeah, we had the power singers in. Whoa, how'd, what happened? How'd, how did that go? How many people got saved? Um, it was uh, 42. 42, praise the, well not, saved? That's great. No, not exactly, saved. Marginal deception. Yeah, yeah, but no, just, we had 42, they were sort of kind of here, just here. What? 42 people were just here? And yeah, well, you see, um, it, it, it wasn't exactly, um, and well, who were these people? Well, they were people from our church. How much did we pay the power singers? Five grand, oh my gosh, five grand to entertain 42 people from our church. Yeah, th and this happens all the time. And uh, not in the book. I'm not writing that book. Don't encourage me. <clears throat> but, yeah, uh, and uh, how could that happen, Billy? Well, you see, uh, I, I, did get to, I did get to graphics. What do you mean you did get to graphics? Well, I mean, it was just a hair too late. What do you mean a hair too late? See how you got to pull this stuff out of people? We have more, th this, this is deception. This is not honesty. You got to have people who will tell you the truth. Admit a mistake and let's get on it and fix it. Stop this game. So, but it, yeah, but see, uh, what do you mean you, by the time you got to graphics? Well, by the time I got to graphics, it was, uh, we, we got the posters and the, and the direct mail pieces out, but it was, they arrived on Monday after the concert and with the power singers. And so, how much did we pay them? Well, 3,000 bucks to, I mean, how much did we call Well, 8,000 bucks to entertain for, this happens all the time because we got one person. And he said, and then, well, what else is going, well, yeah, I was really focused on I, did you get it? I was really focused on just this and, and he messed that up. He, he couldn't do it effectively. Yeah, so 
the key word there is what? I. <laughs> we have iPods, iPads, iPhones, even the Wii game spelled with two I's. We need more Wii. <laughs> Teams, Wii. <clears throat> and so, yeah, so this, uh, you know this, this doesn't work. One person running the whole thing, it doesn't, and you know, what about out, well, I was just thinking about that this morning when I got out of the shower. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get right on it soon. Yeah, any day now. Yeah, so that doesn't work. So we need a box for every phone. And when you do this, when, not like this, just look at this. Billy is the doer of evangelism. And go back to the chart over there, the doing. Remember the orchestra leader. Billy's playing the instruments. And so he's the doer. He's not leading anything. Now you put somebody here and somebody here, he's the leader of those two and the doer of these three. So we, we don't have a full compliment, but at least this is a start. Let's get a name in one of these boxes, a name in every box, start here or start somewhere. You, you know, let him tell you what he recommends and you approve it and you get, let's get going. Okay, so now you've got holes all over the place and Let's fill up the holes. How do we do that? I won't leave you hanging there, but wh what do we do to fill the holes? So the first thing we can do is, and you do this all the time, you're looking to put your whoops, top people, your top leaders on the highest priority. Top leaders on the highest priority. That's what you want to do. And you're doing that all the time. As new entrances come, as new emerging targets surface, and you're going to need to get somebody on there to turn it into an opportunity, you are thinking about who am I deploying to get on that? Who can, who can make the biggest dent in that, fixing that? And so you're always looking. But in this case, just to fill the holes, you're looking at who are the top people that we have in place that could fill this hole, and as I said earlier, uh, who, who either are ready to fill that hole or we're gonna put them on a fast track to get them prepared to fill that hole. Okay, so we have to think like that strategically, and we have to discipline ourselves to follow this organizational formula so we start filling the holes. But you put your top people, so you're, you're looking to see who those people are. And then number two, just write the word utilization. Utilization, what does that mean? Well, this is what it means. A young man came through the doors of our sanctuary uh, and um, he came through there eight years ago. He came through the doors into our sanctuary. He, uh, he was saved, but he got into our pipeline and uh, he, he got, he, he pumped out here, he, he was available to serve God, and we plugged him in, he, and he said, I wanna be an usher. I wanna be an usher in the usher corps. And so uh, when he came through the door eight years ago, he had a company uh, here in Fort Worth, it was a $500,000 company, he was just getting off the ground, he was just starting it, and, and we put him in on the usher corps. And great, now eight years later, he has a $10 million company, and the thing is burgeoning, the thing is growing, and he's still ushering. Now, I'm not knocking ushering, 
okay? But it's a lot easier to get an usher trained and in position than it is to build a ministry and get leaders in there that are building. He knows how to build something. He went from half a million to 10 million in eight years. He know, he's a builder and we've got him ushering. We've got him uh, ushering, yeah. So we're, not, we're underutilizing. Or the lady that came through eight years ago, she passed her bar exam. She got a job at a law firm. She came in, she said, I, I, she qualified to serve. She said, I love babies, I wanna be a baby rocker. Okay, well, we need baby rockers. So we put her in there rocking babies. Eight years later, she's a partner in the law firm. She solves problems for people every day for two, $300 an hour. And we need people to solve problems here. We need problem solvers and she's still rocking babies. So you're underutilizing your people. So what would I do, recommend you do about this? You would sit here and you would tell your team, I want you to sit down and I want you to look at where we're utilizing people effectively in the ministry and where we're underutilizing people effectively, principally. And I, I want you to get, obtain, I'm not gonna be in the meeting, you guys meet, you figure it out. You obtain this information, but we need to get the facts. Who's, who's serving in the ministry and who is underutilized? And get the list, look at it, inspect it, evaluate it, and determine where we have people that are underutilized, that could be better utilized in other positions, where they could have greater impact in building the kingdom here in our midst. Now, when I said that, and let me just teach you a, a, a lesson or a situation. Um, what unction might surface in your gut here? What could go wrong with this? What could go wrong with, and that's a question you're asking yourself and, theirs, and them all the time. What could go wrong here? And that's your job. You're, you're, the, you're gonna have to approve this, so your first question is gonna be, if I approve it, what's gonna go wrong? Or in this case, I'm casting direction, what conceivably could go wrong? What could go wrong is that they could protect somebody who's underutilized because they don't wanna lose them on their team, right? And I know that's, you, some of you are gonna have a hard time believing that because this is Christian work, <laughs> I know. But they're gonna protect people, they're, you know, and because their attitude is this is my department and everything that this is is because of me, praise God. And I'm not admitting anybody who can get, why would, these are my people, I made them. Everything they are is because of me, praise the Lord. We, so what do I do? I've already coached them on honesty. So watch how simple this is. I don't think this would happen, guys, but let's not, protect anybody in your own department. I don't think this would happen, but let's not protect anybody. Honesty, all I have to say is honesty. And they, they remember, oh, if I'm not honest here, if I play games with this and hide somebody and it's found, I'm found out, I'm off the team, I'm off. It's so, this gets real simple when you start doing the right tools, the tools that are in there. This, this can become much simpler. So that's all you have to do. Yeah, you get an unction that something could go wrong, and then all you have to do is point out the standard that you set. It's that's, and then they, have to, they decide, they choose whether they want to stay on the team, play games with this, take a chance, hide somebody, whatever it is, whatever it is. 
Okay, so now we've we got the list of people and, and you're gonna find where you can better utilize people because as the examples I gave you, people are being underutilized. All right, then, and, and there may be people that have served and been utilized and they're no longer, and let, let's get that, we'll, we'll catch that one in point number four. Okay, so then number three is, and Pastor Solis mentioned this earlier, uh, hypos, high potential people, high potential people. You want to identify high potential people. Let me, let me, uh, uh, well, you want to, you want, now I'm not talking, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not talking about distinguishing between the guy in a suit and a, a coat and tie in a suit and the guy that just crawled out under the bridge yesterday and how they look or how they dress. And that's not what we're talking about. But somebody that has a greater education or experience in the workplace, we, we need to capitalize on that. So we need to be looking at people in terms of the significance of their contribution. The gentleman that came out from under the bridge needs to get on the new converts track and we need to put him on a different track. But the guy that's been a plant manager or a, an executive in some company or something, and they, they need to, they have an opportunity, they have much more experience and they could do more, they could do more to help us. So we gotta get them on a fast track. And I told you about building other teams. You can build other teams. Let me give you an example, a case study. There's a, a ministry in, there was a ministry in Colorado. This was a while back. But there, there is the ministry in Colorado, but they, they needed to, they were landlocked. So the church was here and they had their parking in the back and a, and a, and a limited amount of parking based on the number of people that are coming. The pastor was, had five services a week. They were landlocked, locked in. There was another company here. There was a parking lot here for that company. There was the street here in the park across the street. There was no place to go. He said, I can't, I, he was a client. He said, I, I can't go anywhere with, I mean, and I, I'm teaching five, it's wearing me out. I can't, we can't do this. We have to move, we have to build. And I said, good, that's great. He said, yeah, but I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to do this. I've, I've, everything I've, I've, every house we've had, I bought it. It was, pre, I don't know anything about building. I don't even know how to go about doing this. I said, it's simple. You just need to get some teams. He said, what do you mean? I said, get, not my, my team. They don't know how to do this. Build, buy land, look into oil and gas rights. They, they don't know. How. I said, I know. That's what I'm saying. You need to get a special project team here for, to pull together to help you. See, think teams, think teams. Not just these, but other teams that can come in. So I said, so there's some high potential people in your congregation. So I'll be back next month. And first of all, what teams do you think you need? Let's identify those first. So he said, well, we're gonna need a, 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 land, uh, a, uh, uh, a team that can uh, purchase the land. We gotta buy the land. Then we gotta have a team that either design, build, or, or we get an architect and a contractor. We need to build. And then we need to uh, have the capital fund campaign and I gotta have a team for that. And then we need to have the graphics team which will do the virtual tour through what the property would look and like and we'll get these grandparents to build the future for their grandchildren here in X town. 
And so that's what we need. I said, okay, great. I'll be, I'll be back next month. You just look through your congregation and find the people that can be on these teams, these high potential people, they who have expertise. And he said, no, no, that won't work. They're not in my church. I said, you didn't hear me, did you? I'll be back next month and you'll be showing me your teams from the congregation. And so two weeks went by and I get a phone call and he said, you're not gonna believe this, Dr. Aggie, but there are, team, there are people that I can get on my teams. And I said, no fooling, really. And he said, yeah, you, I said, tell me about it. He said, well, we got, a, we got two commercial realtors and we have residential realtors in, in our, in our uh, and we have a banker that specializes in real estate and we have an oil and gas right and we even have a, land, a earth moving guy, a landscape engineer, whatever they're called. And, and he said, I said, great. He said, so we got that team. I said, great. And then, well, then, you know, he went on. So, okay, so he, he, yeah, surprise, surprise. Now, we, we might not have everybody we need because we're squandering 85 to 90% of God's provision. If we kept his provision, we'd have everybody perfectly placed. We'd have everything we need, but we're not. So in this case, so he, that's what he did. And he, and he built these teams. And so what, what happened? This first team, the, all those people, the land excavator, the commercial realtors, the, the banker, and they went out and looked at uh, 12 properties. And they came back and they selected three. And they, he said, what, what do I do with these people? I said, you give them the direction initially. You tell them what the problem is. What's the issue? You're landlocked. So you tell them what the problem, what's the, what's the cause, what's the effect, and what's the opportunity that, you, that we have to have. And then you release them. And then you tell them halfway through, you wanna have a meeting, see where they're at, and so forth. So he said, okay, great. So he did that, and then we, so he got these guys on a team. They went out and they looked at 12 properties, came up with the top three. They came in and reported to him. They came in to report to him what they found. And they said, and then we want you, Pastor, to go. We'll drive you out. You pick the date. We'll drive you the properties and let you walk the land. And then you can go back and walk the land with God and see what uh, God wants to do, which one works for you. So, and if you want to see any of the others, we'll take you. But we picked what we think are the top three. So they, they, he, so they told him. They said, now, number one here, beautiful view of the Rockies. I mean, it's gorgeous. You could have glass windows, look at the Rockies, see what God's produced. And, but the problem is you're gonna have to move a lot of land. You're gonna have to have drainage ponds and because it's, it's on the side of a bluff and you're gonna have to do all this stuff. The, and then the other one, second one here, drive-by impact off the interstate. They're gonna, people are gonna be able to see the church and the church sign from the interstate but they're not gonna let you have a little driveway into the church. They're gonna, you're gonna, they're gonna require you to have a turn lane that's gonna cost you 250, $300,000. $300, and so they're telling them the pros and the cons of each of these properties. And then they went out and drove the property. And then obviously a decision was made, but here's the greatest thing, is a lot of those guys and gals said, what else can we do for you, Pastor? We had no idea, you gotta deal with all these things. What else can we do? What else can we do around here? What else can we help you with? What else can we lead? And I would bump into 
some of those people now they god moved them to different parts of the country they said dr egg you remember me i was on so-and-so pastor so-and-so's team yeah i'm serving god here now they're all we, that's how we bring people into the kingdom give them responsibility they love that and we you heard my my teaching on that earlier so th that's an example so you get people high potential people on a fast track get them on a team you know you're not turning them loose on the sheep you're just turning them loose on you. And you make sure that, hey guys, when you come up with your plans and recommendations, let's be clear, I may not be able to approve them or approve all of them because I have to get approval from God. And if you, get an, if you think you, there's a propensity for you to get an attitude because I don't approve what you come up with, then I can't have you help me because I have to get approval from God. And so, if we can deal with that and you can, and you can uh, be that, operate in that level of maturity, then, then I really need your help. I want you to help me. So you'd have to set the standard with them as well. So you establish the expectations with them as well. So they know what parameters they have for behavior, what's expected of them. That's your job and you can't be timid about it. Okay, and then the fourth one would be the Pareto Principle. The Pareto Principle, oh my gosh, that can't be right. That clock's really messed up. Um, the Pareto Principle, 20% of the people doing 80% of the work. So what's the problem? This is terrible. You get, that's a fact you need huh, in, from your team or one team, some team. How many people do we have that's actually helping us build the kingdom in our midst and how many people are doing nothing? And what's the plan to re-enlist these people? We gave them one chance to go through the, the pipeline and they passed and we're too prideful to ask again. No, we need, to, we need to get people, these people plugged back in. And then some of these people were serving, but dad died, mom needed full-time care, and Susie had a drop out of her leadership role in the ministry because mom needed full-time care, but mom's been in heaven with dad now for five years and we never asked Susie back. So there we have a huge opportunity. And, and a lot of these people of the 80% were ones that never got in the pipeline and we never went back and gave them another opportunity to come through. And there are different places where they, where they disappeared. Okay, so uh, meetings. Yeah, we got to, that's 15 minutes is over on that one. This one, now we got one more. So I'm going to regret that I don't have some space left for Q&A. This is the agenda. You can have minutes, but those are the least important. I'd rather have somebody sitting there thinking and ideating and building, thinking about building rather than taking minutes and notes but eventually you'll get to the point where you have enough resources where you can take minutes. Uh, and then uh, the other thing is we need to have action items. So once I show you the agenda, then we need to have something that collects the action items so we can hold ourselves accountable. Otherwise it's just kumbaya, hold hands, and who knows what we're gonna do with what we decided. So the, the first thing you would wanna do is obtain an executive summary. What's that? That's where you take the pulse of the organization. So that's where we're back to here, where you take the pulse. 
This is where you take the pulse. So you're finding out, are we alive and well? Are we achieving? Are we accomplishing the results that we set out to accomplish based on the priorities that you established or approved? And then this is where we're checking on behaviors, whether we're functioning this way. Are we building teams? Are we really discipling people? Are we delegating responsibility to our people or are you still doing everything? So you've got us locked down in terms of our capacity because you have to do everything still. So this, this is where you get an executive summary. So everybody reports in for three minutes. And so in 15 minutes, you've taken the pulse. You know that we're alive and well, we're achieving, and you know where we're not achieving, the workload, uh, the accountability covenant that a pastor put out here on the corner. Get, get that if you didn't. And the accountability, you know what they're doing about it if we're not achieving. See, they don't come and tell you something that isn't working and without a plan to turn it into an opportunity. No, but we don't function that way. But three times five in 15 minutes, and this is an important, you keep this number small until you can see that we can increase the amount of time that they get to report because it's become, the, the ministry is more complex and sophisticated and interdependent and we got a lot more going on. You may need to increase this to three and a half or four minutes, but you need to discipline people to get right to the point, tell you the truth, tell you what you need to hear, the whole truth, nothing but the truth and do it do it succinctly, quickly, with some organization and thinking before you come in to report so we can get right to the points and you can make it clear. And over time, you can tell them, I don't need to hear that. What, but what's missing is I'm not hearing this. So you give them direction. You show them what you need to hear and what you don't need to hear. And, you, and that helps discipline them. Okay, so in... You get, you get an executive summary. If the meeting were to end there, which it usually would not, but if it ended here, at least you know we're alive and well and where we're not well, what they're doing about it, right? Wouldn't that be good? Then the next thing we do is work on the top five priorities, these. If it's your meeting, it's these five. If it's Aaron's meeting, it's these five. If it's hers, me, hers meeting, it's these five. But we work on priorities. So people are disciplined to know. Every week, I better be able to give an update or every time we meet, you have to determine the frequency. There's two, there's two keys to meetings. And the, the objective of any meeting is that people leave better prepared and, more, and more, uh, more eager and better prepared. More eager and better prepared. How do they get more eager? When you give them an opportunity to contribute and value and motivation and commitment and ownership surface, that, then they're more eager. And when you give them a chance to participate, they're more eager. And then <clears throat> they're better prepared, why? Because they're learning from each other and they're learning from you. They're learning from the way you're modeling things. You're learning from the direction you're providing. They're learning from the direction you're providing. Okay, so they come prepared to report on the five things that are most important to you as the leader. And so they are prepared to, I don't know why I'm walking over here, I wanted to make a point about something, but they're, they, these top five priorities, they're, they're, they know that, yeah, the evaluation, they know that they're needing to 
report or give you an evaluation on how we're doing on a regular basis. So when, when a little gap starts showing up, you can get on it immediately. We don't wait until like the cartoon till the end of the year and then does anybody remember what God wanted? And we find, I get these reports that, you know, we're we so underachieved. Well, we just figured that out now. Months went by. And then the next thing, now bear in mind, this is very simple. You can sophisticate this over time. You can make it more user-friendly over time. But now we have I slash R. Issues with recommendations. Issues that surface with recommendations. So they're going to tell you about an issue, but nobody comes to this table or any table with an issue without a recommendation. That's, that's, a, that's the... Uh, policy. That's our part of our culture. Nobody, you don't do that. You take your best cut at how we're going to solve that issue and then I'll coach you from that point on. You build the cake, I'll put the icing on it. I'll redirect you. I'll coach you, teach you, train you, mentor, but I'm not doing your thinking. You do the initial thinking and then we'll build from there together. So that's, they have to have a place to get approval on issues, and I told you this earlier, this is gonna be so exciting for you, so freeing. They're gonna discover issues down there that you never even thought of. They're gonna be bringing you things and it's gonna encourage you. You're gonna say, wow, they're on it, they're on it, they're building. They're identifying things that need fixing down there. I don't even know about it and now they're showing me the, the plans to fix them. It's exciting again. And your vision's gonna to start to expand. Your vision is going to get bigger. You're going to, because you're encouraged. You have a life again. And then the final thing is the big D, discipleship. So if uh, you take the product, you take a, a DVD, or you get on the online and get to session uh, X, and you show the session to the team, and then you don't say, okay, you see, you, you see what we just learned there? Okay, let's get on it. Okay, let's get it done. No, you're, you're gonna ask them questions. What did you see? How do you feel about that? What concerns you in our, about our ability to be able to do that? What obstacles are we gonna run into? What, we're going, what are we going to do to make that come to pass? And you discuss it, give them an opportunity to contribute and take ownership of it and have that kind of healthy discussion. But D is not only here. It'll be just like Jesus walking the Sea of Galilee and saying, pull up a rock and let's sit down and learn something. You're, you're going to see something here on number two and you're going to see something here and then something occurs in the, in the approval process, wherever. This, these are those discipleship moments too along the way where you capitalize on every teachable moment and you, you stop. Yeah, we may not get to something, but at least we're going to deal with this right here. We're gonna, we're gonna cap, it's not, you know, right, you didn't see Jesus writing down stuff for his performance appraisal in January or anything, no. He deal with it right there, right on the spot. And that's what we have to behave that way too. Okay, then there, you're gonna be providing direction. You're gonna get some evaluation here or anywhere along the way and you're going to, and, and you're going to provide some direction for somebody to do something. And I know I'm going quickly, but we've got to get to the end here. 
So here's the action item. Here's what you directed or what surfaced that they acknowledged and then we put somebody, we put it down here and then here's the person responsible and here's the date that it's due. Here's the, here's the action item, here's the person responsible to make that action happen and here is the date by which that action needs to take place. So that's when they're gonna report back to the team the directive that was initiated here in this meeting. And so you're gonna develop these actions as you go different players here, different dates, and so that, that's why we have action items, to ensure that what is discussed here is capitalized on and we're gonna get fruit and results and an ROI for God. Whew, we did it. <laughs> Thank you. It's all in there, in spades. Okay, so it's Q&A time. We've got one or two mics, right, Pastor? And would it be possible to adjust the lights so that I can see them? Perfect, thank you. Put me in the dark and them in the light. I'm still getting the, well, that's better. Okay. How, if you could go over, how do we correct people on our team that we have a personal relationship or, or who that we love? When we find sin on the keyboard, how do we, how do you recommend to, uh, to handle How do that? you correct somebody they have a personal relationship with? Right. When, when like somebody on, what'd you say, on the keyboard? When there's sin on the keyboard? Yeah. You know, how do you, how do you handle that? Well, is the keyboard an important part of the question? Like you can't bring correction to them right here because we're in praise and worship or No, what? no, no, no. Is, when, when there's sin, the, sin on the keyboard is the first or when part the main someone, question? we've got someone on our team and they've been on our team and then we find out that there's sin involved in their life. Right. And we don't want to correct that because then we wouldn't have anyone to sing. So then... We just kind of look the other way. Yeah. So let me ask you a question with a question. There was a guy who was good at that. Uh, so so uh, let me ask you a question. Is, would it be better to have the sin perpetuate and the leaven spread all over the congregation or take authority over the sin, take, take authority over that sin and end up with no keyboard? End and, up with no keyboard. And you turning on a CD and singing with that. Which would be better? Or just sing a cappella. <laughs> what do you say? Sing a cappella. Sing a cappella. Yeah, Randy, that's right. Yeah, I mean, that's the decision we have to make. Obviously, you don't want to lose the guy. We're in the restoration business, so we want to sit down with him and to coach him out of whatever this is that's inappropriate. But uh, if he's not going to change, we got to get him off the keyboard. This happened to me. I, I, I didn't get a question like that. It just fell out of me by the Holy Spirit. I was in Massachusetts. I said, and some of you have sin on the keyboard and you don't take authority over it. You're putting up with it and you're justifying the fact that we need a keyboard person so I, so I can get everybody prepared for my message. Wonderful. No, get them off the keyboard. Get the sin off. The, we got to purge the leaven. We are, who's going to do it? God is putting us in a leadership position to purge the leaven. You got to get it out. Now we give them every chance to change. 
So, you know, I know I'm being quick here and strong, but uh, we, yeah, we wanna, we wanna restore this individual, but not if they're not willing to change, okay? So take, desperation's not a criteria for a value system, okay? Thank you, Randy. How do you keep continuity in your so You guys gotta be really shout <clears throat> into that thing. How do you keep continuity That's in your it. leaders on your micro to macro that your new your lower tier leaders are staying in sync with the leader? How do you keep the, the continuity? The lower as leaders a, are what with the leaders? How do you keep the continuity so that they keep the same core values, the same vision that Okay. Up to tears. You remember the the uh, honesty thing I did with these, and I said the big thing I said was, now you have this same uh, discussion with your teams. We got to we got to push this value down. If we we're going to have an honest culture. Then we have to teach it, we have to direct it, we have to expect it, and we have to evaluate it and make sure that people are following it. We're not waffling on this. It's important, and so if. You seem to be happy with my answer, but uh, I just want to make sure that uh, that how you do it down line is you you etch it into their spirit here, and you tell them I expect now that this gets taught down line. You have to put that requirement on them that they teach this down line, and so we have that. That's what you're saying. I think is the continuity that. The, the value system goes down deep. Yeah, and that's really important. So you have to make sure that you teach them properly. And that's what I kind of, why I kind of modeled that honesty thing. And then you tell them the expectation is that you do this with your team. And we hold everybody to this standard. And so that, that has to be pushed down as deep as you go with teams and team leaders. And the team leaders have to uh, be responsive to that. Now, you know, when, when you give direction, when you, when you say this is what God wants and then they come back and say here's how we can plan and ideate and recommend to achieve what God wants, that, that's good. And there may be varying uh, perspectives on how to get that done. But when it comes to the value system, there's not a lot of uh, gray area here. You know, this, this is the way we want to do it. This is part of who we are. This is our culture, our DNA, and it's not a compromising thing. We're going to build teams. We're going to disciple people. That's our culture. That's what we stand for. This is not a new thing for one year and then something else comes in. This is a system. You're okay? All right, thank you. Thank you, sir. Now, right here, if you're the facilitator of this team, here, remember I we talked about facilitation, and if you're the facilitator, I I've had the propensity twice now to say, great question, good idea, thank you, or something. Uh, yeah, I know we're going over there, but I'm, I'm busy working here. <laughs> I'm coming over there. Okay, so, <laughs> uh, but if I say, that's a great question, what, what's implicit? All the preceding questions weren't that great. It's, it's, there's an art to being a facilitator. There's some of that in there too. Uh, and so how we facilitate is really important. Yes, sir. In a small organization, how would you deal with a familiarity with your team leaders? 
that they see you more as a friend than a leader. Mm -hmm. You can still be their friend, but we're not compromising on direction or value system. Once we've agreed on something, then everybody's held to that standard. But it is harder. I thought so. It's where we were going earlier. But uh, everybody's held to the same standard. And the proximity is, is a vulnerability at times because they feel like uh, I have certain favor and there's a certain greater level of flexibility here with me than with him because I'm, we've been buds all these years. We grew up together, whatever. And uh, no, we can't, in fact, we almost have to err on the side uh, with family members and the inurement issue. They, they, we have to err on the side of them doing more to, to display that they belong in this position. It's not favoritism or inurement of any, any of those kinds of things. So uh, yeah, and, and you really do have to work harder. I've had so many situations. One guy, the pastor said, I want you to interview this guy. He's a lifelong friend and I'm thinking of bringing him in as my executive director. And I said, okay, I'll interview him next time I come or whatever. And so I interviewed him and he said, what do you think? I said, I'm concerned. And he said, why? He said, he keeps calling you Bob. Now I know this has changed, this is 20 years ago, but I still like to call pastors pastor Amen. because I respect that position so much. I don't, I don't really like it, Bob and Fred and hey you and, and Bud, jeez. So that's just me, okay? So you can choose what you wanna do with that. But this guy said, this is 20 years ago almost, he said, uh, you know, Fred and I just go way back, you know, and we're, we're tight, we won't have any problems. And I thought, you know, so I asked him some key questions about that. I said, are you gonna be able to submit to him? Are you going to be able to respect him and at the same level and standard as everybody else? Because you're going to be setting an example here. You start seeking favoritism and everybody thinks that's the norm here. That's what we do. We can manipulate and play games with stuff, with standards. And so I said, no, I wouldn't hire him. And he did. He went ahead and hired him. And about six months later, the guy took all the people to his church. Yeah. So it is, it's, it's a serious problem and the proximity. Uh, one pastor had a hard time holding, uh, I told him, I said, you've got a double standard here. You're holding, you're not holding this person accountable and like you are the other four. And he said, yeah, I know, we, we're, we got the problem that you decided. And, uh, and he didn't do anything about it. And then the team pointed out to him, said, hey, this isn't right. You know, what just happened here, you, you wouldn't have accepted that from us, what just happened there. And he, Pastor, I don't know if you realize it, but you have a double standard here. And he, then he realized it. But th this is, a, a f thank you. I can't say that's a great question. <laughs> Think of his attitude, you know? So yeah, thank you. Th just thank you, that's enough. Okay. Okay, day one, you're gonna start team you've got two or three people at the table this is the first time they've ever been introduced to this yes sir what is the priority as you as a leader of starting to instill this what, what is the priority you as a leader what does to, that mean to instill this to begin to work where do you them. begin yeah where do you begin? okay well you have to explain to them that it's a system it's a new system. It's a paradigm change. It's going to be a cultural change. It's going to require all of us, me and you, to learn new thing, new way of doing things. But I believe, and you're going to have to share your conviction. 
you know, I believe I am really excited about this. I believe this is going to turn things around. This, I, it's, I've been shown, it's been proven, it works. It hasn't failed anywhere. The only place it fails is if the, you don't work it, because yeah. it, it's scriptural. So, it, so you have to, you have to introduce it. You have to share your conviction about it and that we're definitely doing it. We can discuss it. Well, you can tell me where you're concerned with it and why you don't like it, but we're going to do it. And you, you tell them that last so that you endear them to, you know, and, and they, you're engendering their responses. But then, and then you, you, then you start. You say, we're going to start learning these things and we're going to do it in chronological order, which I've done here and which that is done. Each DVD is builds upon and it builds the system out to the, to the over there. And so you want to do it, you cannot, this is not a Chinese menu and you need to explain that to them. This is a system. It, we're not picking from column A and column B or smorgasbord where, uh, no, no, yeah, this, I like this. And yeah, this one, I'm going to take that. No, <laughs> I hate that stuff. And then this, no, it's not, a, it's not a smorgasbord, Chinese menu, it's a system. And everything has to work together so that we don't discount any of it. We can't throw something out. It, it won't be as effective. So it's, you explain that it's a system and that I believe we can do this. I'm excited about doing it. We are going to do it. And I, but I've had so many pastors or even CEOs have said, well, we got some resistance. And, you know, we have to operate in unity so we can't do it. What? That is crazy. Operate, yeah, we want to operate in unity buy into the system, we'll be in unity. But the, the, we can, we, you can discuss it, what your concerns are, but, but then we t start teaching it. One, one lesson upon lesson upon lesson upon lesson. And, and where we struggle or where you're having problems with it, let's, let's discuss it, let's talk about it. And uh, okay, so how, how am I doing? Does that really answer your question, Pastor? Would you encourage them to... Uh... Dr. Ackie, would you encourage oh. them to can, uh, to do that with them? Start off with the system with them, uh, going through it together with them. And that's one of the things we've done as a staff. Yeah, is we've done it with them. So yes. not, and then take it piece by piece with them as you walk through it. That's been the yes, yeah, the do it together. Yeah, do it together. Dr. Ratke, I had a question. Uh, when you were talking about the attorney that was a problem solver, that reminded me of an incident um, earlier this year that my wife and I had in kids' ministry. What are we, you, from Florida or something? Of course. No, we're from Florida, not California. We went and seen him in California. Okay, slow down. Sorry. I'm with you. I can do auctions, too. <laughs> you can do auction. Yeah, I believe it. I buy that. Yep. <laughs> Okay, so go on. So we approached uh, a friend of ours. She was a teacher with yeah, us. Yeah, that's And good. she was uh, an award-winning teacher. She won Teacher of the Year for our district. And so obviously she's great at presenting material to the kids. And she'd been coming to the church for a while. So we thought she would be a great person to include on our kids' ministry team as uh -huh. a teacher. But because of, she, because of her teaching kids all day, she didn't want anything to do with the kids. So she was a hypo person for that position, mm -hmm. but because of her job, she didn't want to enter into that. So right. as a leader, I wanted to, to stretch, you know, to stretch her and say, you know, you have the gift, you have the calling that you would be fantastic at this. Right. 
but how do you how do you do that and still be respectful to the yeah. fact that there was so you share what you see and and but then we have to uh, be um, sensitive to what she's saying and so uh, let me address that by saying this. Um, you, you know, we, we want to place people where they have giftings. So that's the teacher. And she's a natural fit for teaching there, but teaching in the church. Uh, we want to, and then we want to place people, the second criteria would be place people where, they're, where they want to be placed. And in this case, usually, the gifts line up with the desires, most times, uh, but she's desiring not to do it all day long. She wants to be able to contribute in a different fashion. And then the third criteria is putting people where we have needs. So that's, those are the things we have to figure out wh which works best. And we have to be sensitive to her and to, to uh, your, the needs of the ministry. And so in other words, if we, we if we kept all the people God sends, then they would be perfectly matching all the boxes and we could have everybody exactly where they need. But, and I'll address this particular situation in just a second, but we, we, we also have to recognize we have needs. So it's not just putting people exactly where their gifts are. We don't, and it doesn't have to be a life sentence. Just tell them, can you be on this team for six months or 12 and help us because we're deficient on that team. We need people that can think and provide wisdom and count. They don't have to be an expert in that area. They just need to have wisdom and understanding and counsel and knowledge and offer what they see and think and feel. We need to explain that. But it doesn't, and then we'll, we can move you or deploy you where you're a better fit. I mean, that's obviously a good thing. In her case, I wouldn't override her will, but I would certainly explain to her how important it would be to have her expertise in the church right there. Is there some way that this could work? And you give her an opportunity to say, well, okay, I'll give it a try. Or I really, I can't deal with that. Well, then we have to deal, we have to deal with that. We can't override their will. Yes, sir. So whether it's, whether it's curriculum or, or raising up teachers who would behave properly in the classroom, that might be a better fit without being with the kids. <laughs> I, I couldn't understand. T tell me quickly what you said, because that one. Basically, what I said was, um, she may be interested in working someplace on the team, but not with the children. Uh huh. So she could be doing curriculum or training the teachers themselves, but not being Thank in the you. classroom. Thank you. She could perhaps direct the other teachers and share with them how she. Uh, what she learned and how she is such an effective leader in the school system and lead the, the be a team leader of the teachers. Uh, you could work with that one. Thank, thank you, Pastor. Okay, someone else? Yeah. Um, over here. <laughs> over here, over here. <laughs> I, I wanted to see what does it look like to disciple when you have several teams in different organizations? that you're leading? Like if you're supposed to spend like 50% of your time discipling your team? I'm coming closer <laughs> to you. Okay, start, start again. So what does it look like to disciple your team when you have several teams in different organizations? When you have, how, what is it like to disciple your team when you have different what? 
several like different teams in different organizations, like okay. say business and then church and then prison ministry and you're doing all these things what does it look like all under the umbrella of no your church different, no separate separate different entities yes. out there mm-hmm. okay and so what about that what's the question like what does that, that look like when we're supposed to be spending time discipling them what or should you not be taking on too many things well so they're working in another company Mm-hmm. Some of these people, I don't know how you can disciple them. The person in that company should disciple them. No, no, now, if like if I'm leading a team. They come to your church. You right, like, no, I'm leading a you? team at church, also prison ministry. And so each one, you have to create a team, right, in mm-hmm. each one. Mm-hmm. So what does that look like? Would that be too time-consuming? Would it be better to step down? Well, you, or? they have leaders, or do they all report to you? Well, no, I want to create the teams, pretty much. You want to create the teams. Mm-hmm. Okay. But then you need to have, what teams you, whatever team you create, you have to have a team leader over it. Right. There needs to be a leader over it. Mm-hmm. And if that's you, then you're spread, you can be spread very thin, very fast. But initially, I know you're beginning, right? Mm-hmm. So you could, you may have to be their team leader, these different entities or different individuals and so you're the one who's discipling them and you're pouring yourself into them that's a good place to start but then over time you're going to have other team leaders that are going to uh, take over and either one of them are going to become a team leader and build a team based on what you've taught them and what what you've invested and imparted into them and so how are we doing? Am I answering? Are we coming close to what you're asking? Hey, Dr. Racky, Dr. Racky, Dr. Racky, can I weigh in on this? this yeah. Is I think what you're asking is if I'm supposed to spend 50% of my time um, coaching, teaching, training, and mentoring, but I have three organizations, mm-hmm. how do I do all that? Right. Right. Oh, and, you have three different organizations under you. Right. So then my answer would be whatever time you're spending with that organization spend the appropriate amount of percentage. So if you're spending 10 hours with the prison ministry, four to five hours should be coaching, teaching, training, and mentoring and providing success for your teams as you raise them up. And then if you're providing 20 hours on your church team and another 10 hours on the third team, it's just a percentage of how much time you're spending on each team. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Thank you, Pastor Barch. That's why we don't work alone. <laughs> Dr. Ackie? <clears throat> right here. Yes, sir. So since this is a paradigm shift for the whole church, yes, essentially sir. it's a paradigm shift, we're doing something new. Is there a time and a place to explain the system to the whole church? There is a time and a place, yeah. You, but you, whenever you're proclaiming something or introducing something, announcing something, Uh, you would always want to do it first with your executive team or your highest form of wisdom, which may be your board or your deacons or however you're organized. But you you want to, everybody should receive the information in that order, downhill. And you don't want to just jump right in there with the congregation until your leaders have had a chance to get a hold of it because the congregation is going to be asking them, what do you think? And that you're going to be wanting them to be in a position of defending your belief that it's good and we should do this. 
so that you don't want them to get blindsided because you told other people before you told them. So that's a principle in everything, that you follow the chain of command in terms of who you, uh, who you relate things to. You know, I did that example where you don't want to be telling everybody we're going over here and then the people are asking your leaders, what, what's that all about? And they have no idea. And uh, th you haven't communicated with them first. So after the leaders have been um, communicated with, so the leaders are top leaders, they know what the system mm -hmm. is. Mm -hmm. I'm just thinking about, because we want to tap people on the shoulder and say, you know, would you consider being on this team or filling mm -hmm. this box? Sure. Because we think it'd be very valuable. But just, you know, for them to be prepared for somebody to come up to them, yes. I'm just thinking it'd be good. Yeah. Is there a time it's, No, it's the right idea. And then once you've worked your way down in the chain of command, then you can tell everybody about it. And that's a good thing. You want to do that. And they're, they're in the strategic planning, there's some direction on when and how to do that. And you, you, want, to, you want to recruit people to get on teams. So we got to tell them what we're doing here and, and the exciting opportunity that is being made available for them. So yeah, that's a good thing. But we follow the, the order. Hey, Walter, just a, just a, one of the things we did at the church uh, after we went through our whole leadership, about a year and a half into it, uh, in order to create more depth, we created a leadership forum where we had our leaders invite people that they believed were high potential that were already serving in their areas to come to a, a, a session on a Saturday. And we just taught them some of the process of what we do in our leadership where, where this is concerned. So it, uh, but our leaders are the ones that went out and got the high potential people that they believed uh, were already working in there. And then we did a, a small forum with them just to introduce the process to them to see how we would like to, to get involved on a team and, and be more involved. And we would coach and train and disciple them. So about, after about a year and a half of us intently going through it together, we opened that up to high potential people. So there, it's a process, but it does have to get in, in your top leaders first before you go to that next level. Uh, that's a, 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 uh, a suggestion, and one suggestion would be to ask your team, uh, so how do you think we should introduce this to the congregation? Don't even make that decision. You still make the final call, but get some input from them, and they very likely could come up with that idea. Uh, did that come from somebody? That was from the team. They were the ones that came from trying the to team. figure out See? how to... How to make it? Yeah. How can we get this into the people? Yeah. That were came we're from the team. With? Yes, sir. So that that's what you want to do. Don't don't solve anything. Don't even give it a thought. Just ask the team. What do you think now? We got it. You you it becomes avail uh, becomes uh, clear to you that we need to now you know progress with this thing, and so how do you think we should? Where do we go next? How do how does that play out? What do you all think? Don't don't tell them. Ask them. Okay. Hey, Dr. Racky, um, I was... Hi, Pastor. What, hey, man. <laughs> good to see you again. I said good to see you again. It's good to see you, yes, too. Yes, sir. Yeah, I'm um, happier I to wanted... see you than you might be to see me. Do you, do you, do you want to stay? <laughs> um, I wanted to submit a question to the room. Um, I'm thinking just for smaller church ministries, a lot of times this happened to me for years. We had our executive team, they're oftentimes over, they're specialists. 
because they're over the worship or they're over the youth yeah. or the children. Right. So for years I struggled because I'd have these mandates, but we ended up just coming together and they were talking about all their stuff. And I was never able to get to what I feel like the Lord was putting on my heart. But finally, we've transitioned into where we're able to, we're starting to get more yeah. done. Yeah. But I just know as like, maybe there's pastors in here that maybe struggle with that. Like, how do you, how do you turn your team of specialists into generalists? And I was just curious. I know you've been talking a lot about it, you know, but just maybe to reiterate some things. Mm -hmm. Just, it's a multitude of things that we've hit on a number of different times here. One is to get them, you know, work the process here and you're, you're uh, teaching them how the ideas have to match up with these things so that they start th seeing things and thinking and solving problems relative to the whole the whole organization, not just their area. That, so they start thinking like a generalist, which is what the, the leader is, the master generalist. You have to be, you have to, you're responsible for everything. So we, to get them to think like that, we work a process like that. We do what I just said. You ask them, let them expand their thinking, expand their thinking, get, get them to think bigger, innovation. Uh, the guy that I told you, Roberto, Garzietta, he challenged them and they expand their thinking, getting them out of their little parochial, their parochial uh, little box here and start thinking bigger about what we need to do. So it's a, it's a series of all these things done effectively and accountability. And, uh, you know, you, you, let me give you an example in sports. A, a perfect example of a generalist, though. Um, they asked Phil Jackson, remember when the Chicago Bulls used to win? You remember that? And they won year in and year out. And they asked the coach, Phil Jackson, they said, how did that happen? How did, what was the key to winning every single year like that? He said, they said, it was Michael Jordan, right? And he said, yeah, but not for what you think. And they said, well, it was, he was a prolific scorer, right? It wasn't, it was his scoring, right? No, he said, that's not it. They said, well, he, yeah, he was really good at assists. He was a playmaker and he shoveled off the ball to other guys and it was a balanced team effort. And uh, yeah, he was, no, that's not it. Uh, it must've been his defense. Yeah, no, it wasn't that. He was good at defense. He was good at all three of those. That wasn't it. Well, what on earth, what's left? What on earth, wh why did you win? Because, because he was my coach on the floor. He, he was the generalist on the team. He, he said, I didn't have to call timeouts because when, they were, when the game was going on, he was out there saying, Get over, hey, you're supposed to be over there. Uh, and hey, that, we can't function like that. You, that's not the play. See, he was running the plays the way the coach wanted him to run. These people are running this system the way the system requires and the way you direct it. And then, uh, he, and then he said he was the last guy out there shooting free throws, the first guy and the last guy out of the weight room. He was the example to the team. He was the prototype example to others of what we're trying to do here, how we're gonna play the game, what, how, we're, how this is gonna work. And, and he was the guy that said, hey, Rodman, come on, you're, you're, you're a jerk. 
you know, you, 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 got, you can have the yellow hair, whatever you want, but we're, we need you on rebounding. And we stop showing off and start being a goofball. Stop relating to the spectators and get in the game. We need you on this team. Now knock it off. And he took authority over situations. That's a generalist. Takes authority over situations. Is, is a prototype example to others and holds others accountable. And the coach on the floor, he's your, he's your coach on the team when you're not there or even when you are there. That's a good example of a generalist. Okay. Are we okay? That help? Okay. Thank you, Pastor. Over here. Yes. Angela, right? Yes, no. Uh, yes, sir. Yeah, Angela. Yeah. Okay, so my question is when you're developing an organization and they initially come through the pipeline, how vital is that pipeline to them being placed on a team? And inside that pipeline, what exactly are you covering to prepare them to be on that team and be successful? Okay. Yeah, I would, I would highly recommend that they go through a certain level of, of understanding what the standards are here and who we are and what we're all about and how we function and what's acceptable and what isn't acceptable and uh, to prepare them to be in, uh, on a team and in a position of influence in some way. So all those things I just said, are, what are our standards and the way to, how do we operate and what, what are the key points and what's acceptable, what's not acceptable, uh, those things are what we teach there. So that when they come out of the pipeline, they're usable and they're not, they're not, uh, you know, they, they're not going to be causing havoc because we haven't properly taught them and we haven't established the expectations and the direction for them. So whatever it takes to get, pump them out so they're gonna be useful and have a fighting chance to succeed and not totally embarrass themselves and disrupt the place. Okay, <laughs> okay. From a leader's perspective that I sit under some of the best pastors in the whole world, right? So I get mandates I from them. That. Yeah. And then I am on different teams, so I take it down to the teams. There are times when the celebrity status of who they are carries the mandate through. So when I say Pastor Justin Arnett or Pastor Rick says, this is the direction we're going, but as their prototype, as someone who has their heart, and I say this is what we're doing, right. it doesn't carry as much weight with right. the team. So how do you remedy that? How but do you say this is what we're doing? You can do both. Okay. But uh, Tanya... Yeah, I mean, think about it. If you go in there and tell them, this is what Pastor Justin wants or Pastor Nett wants, uh, we haven't communicated that's what you want, and you're their leader. So we have to have both. So it's okay to mention that the directive came from them, but what's really important is that you believe in it and you're going to make sure that it happens and you're communicating it like you came up with it. Does that help? We do both. It's okay to credentialize them and where it came from and pastor heard from God and he wants this or whatever it is. They, they've noticed something and they like this fixed and this is the way they like to, you know, that's even dangerous because they, they're not gonna ask you to, you, they're, gonna, they're gonna set the standards and, but you're going to have to enforce them. 
you're going to be the one that they, the, the person you're dealing with or the team you're working with has to understand you believe this and you're doing it. We can't cast the blame onto them. And that's what happens a lot. I'm not saying, Tanya, that that's what you're, you're trying to uh, get away with here. But you know, we can't blame it on them. Oh, this is what they want. Right. You know, so implicit in that without saying this is what I want is that you're just placating them and you're not behind this. It has to come from you. I don't want to be the messenger of the vision necessarily. I want to, I own it. That's correct. But I want them to own it. That's because right. Because we own it. That's correct. Because it's our vision. That's correct. Okay? Okay. All right. Over here. <clears throat> Let me say first, I'm the associate minister in the ministry that I'm in, which means that I have a pastor and a co-pastor who are both uh, Rama Bible Training Center graduates, and um, I've been there for 17 years, and so that's a long time. The thing is, um, I was at your provision uh, conference, which was in Ohio, and when I came home and tried to explain to them some of the things, they were unwilling to accept mm -hmm. what I explained, and being in the ministry that many years, I can see that it's exactly what I'll just say is off school in our ministry and um it's but exactly what what is imbalanced imbalanced in our ministry and i'm saying that without any disrespect i'm saying this as i, I would like to know i mean i know the answer is prayer mm -hmm. but what is uh, the best suggestion you would offer because so you came home from the provision conference you heard me Right, and okay, I explained and then you that. Came I, back and and you I, were I said I, would, it. I wanted to share, and, and they did not want to talk about it. They didn't want to hear about it. These right. are people that report to you no. in the no. workplace? No. I, re I report oh, to the them. Oh, the people above you. I report oh, to them. Oh, yeah, that's real common. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, and again, yeah. I, I know that this uh, is. Admiral the McCain, remember? <laughs> the Bureau of Naval per the Pentagon, they, the Chief of Naval Personnel didn't want to hear from him. I know what's best. That's goofy, that stuff. No, we're not doing that, because they didn't think of it. Right. So what's the question, though? I hear, now I got the issue. What's question the question? Is, what can I do? Because now I hear I'm, I am the second time. I know it's God, sending, it's God sending me back yeah. both times. He, I, I, keep planting the seed. How will there ever be a change? Admiral McCain said, we're going back. They took away a star, or they didn't give him a star. He said, son, you're going to have to fight for a vision, but we're going back. So here we go. We're working on the next presentation. You don't back down, but you do it. You do it with respect and dignity, and uh, but you you plant the seed one time. You don't keep pestering him about it and bugging him about it. But you've got to plant the seed. And it sounds like you did that, and it was rejected, right? Right. Big time. Yes. Yeah, and it and it was hurtful the way it was done. It sounds right. Like. I have to dig out those you know bitterness roots and make sure that they yeah. don't um, you know stay grounded in there. I've been So how did they reject it? What did uh, they say? They basically, I, I went back and I said, you know, I had a whole lot that I've learned. I've been, I, you know, been taught a whole lot. First of all, I, I graduated from uh, JSMI Bible Correspondence School in March. So I heard this yeah. first from Terry yeah. Savelle Foy, who, you know, taught what you taught. And then right. that's when I felt the urge to go to the provision conference as soon as I found out you were there. Yes. I know that was God sending me there. And so um, I came back and, and told them about yeah. it, and they did, you, did not did give, give me any opportunity. Did you give a pretty good indication of why you felt this was important or wanted to bring this to their attention? 
Yes, I explained, you know, you that did. it was about forming it. teams. Then, and Then you did your job. Okay. Now, this comes up a lot. You know, even in, in this, they're, they're your direct reports, right? Or this is your I direct? I report to them, yes. You report to them, yeah. Right. And this comes up a lot. I get asked, that, should you mention it? Yes, you, you should. You should mention it, but you don't badger them and beat them up and hit them six ways to Sunday. No, but we got to share what God puts on our heart with people. And we do need to take a risk. I mean, you have to weigh it in the, to the extent of how, how you do it, but you do need to share with them what you saw. You plant the seed one time, and now you got to leave it there with God. You may want to do it again, but not, you know, over time, give them another chance, but you, you can't badger them about it and God, let God water the seed. But I, I, and your choice is what? You either help them see it, which you tried, or maybe you need to go to another place where you believe more in the way that ought to operate and function. Or here's another thing, and I, I, I've seen this happen many times successfully, you just begin doing it. You do it. And the, the next thing they wanna know is, is why you're so successful and why your people are so excited about the opportunities you've given them and look at what you're accomplishing and then they wanna listen. Then yeah. they're more inclined to listen. You're looking at me, I can't see you very well, but you're looking at me like, uh, that'll never work. Do you, are you okay with that? Are you, are you okay? Yeah, I, I've seen that happen. I've seen that happen and, and uh, some of them have gotten promoted. In one case, they said, wow, you learned that stuff, you need to go to that guy and get all you can and I want you to design a, uh, a plan for all of our international locations to start putting this system in. But they saw what was going on. That guy with Gert Jan de Groot in Holland, you know, his boss said, where'd you learn this stuff? How did you have uh, profitability when the other three divisions went south? And he said, well, I went to this training in Bonn, Germany, I heard this guy, and I started building teams, and I started uh, giving them opportunity to be smarter than me by giving them experience, and then I learned the art of asking questions, and that was huge. And the guy made him a, this, not that minute, but made him the CEO over the other divisions. He just took it and ran with it. He applied it, and he had fruit. He, had, he, had, he was giving that guy an ROI. And uh, you, so you do it. Now, you, you, I'm not advocating you violate company policies and procedures, but you implement these things with your people and they're gonna see a change. You're gonna have a change and you're, they're gonna see it. And if they don't see it, then at least you're functioning in the most efficient, effective manner that you can function in. Are we okay with that? Okay. And it's 3.03. Is that why you're clapping? It's finally over and I can go home. <laughs> oh, thank God, he's leaving now. <laughs> oh, praise God. Let's give God, give God the glory. Thank Jesus, hallelujah. Oh, he's an amazing God. And you're amazing people serving an amazing God. Uh, this is such an honor for Carol and I to do this, like I said at the beginning, how can it get any better than to be helping people that have the most important job in the world? Minister or marketplace minister, I mean, that, that, that's what it's all about. 
and we get to we get to take a lifetime of learning and just download it in to you. And uh, this has been an honor. Thank you. I appreciate. It. Thank you for those of you that uh, purchased, and certainly those of you that partnered. And uh, I, let's just have all the partners that were partners before we came, and then all of you new partners stand up so we can thank you for making this possible. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you. All right, I've turned it over to you guys. Thank you so much again for hosting and blessing us like you have. And uh, my gosh, this has been rich. This has been Amen. Y'all stretch our hands. We're going to pray over the Rockies. They're going to be flying out here in just a few hours. But just, you want to come on up, Miss Carol? Come on up. It's such an honor and privilege having them with us. Pastor Justin and Nate, will y'all come lay hands on them and I'll pray over them. We speak longevity and life over them. Amen. No one more times. Yeah, that's, amen, inside joke. Yeah, Father God, in the name of Jesus, we just come before you, Lord, and we just thank you for the Rackies and the anointing that's on their lives, Lord. We just receive uh, all that you have poured into us through them during this time, Lord. Uh, it will not return void. It will do what it's set out to do because it, it, it is the incorruptible word of you, the living God. And I thank you, Father, that your word always does what it's supposed to, Lord. We add our faith to it, Lord. We bind the enemy from stealing from this word that has been planted in our hearts, Lord. We receive it with gladness. We rejoice over it, Lord. We guard and protect it, Lord. Uh, we call a harvest in thank on all the seed that they have sown into us Amen. where your word is concerned, Lord. Thank you, I think that it's multiplied 30, 60, and 100 fold. And we just see an amazing you, amount of increase. Now, thank Lord, we pray over them that they will just be refreshed, Lord. We ask you for divine appointments for them, a time and season, Lord, where they are just being poured back into, Lord. Uh, freely we receive. We're freely giving back to them, Lord. We just ask you, Lord, to just uh, to minister to them, Lord, to just... Uh, I thank you that they're on the hearts and minds of people all over the world, and they're giving back into them a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, Lord, spiritually, physically, financially, Lord. Their youth is renewed like the eagles, Lord. We thank you, Father, for that. We thank you that uh, you fill their mouth with good, with good things so that their youth is renewed like the eagles. We ask you to continue to order their footsteps, Lord, for the footsteps of righteous people are of you, Lord. Uh, open up doors that no man can shut, shut doors that no man can open, Lord, that they can walk on a plain path, Lord. Yes. I think that yes. they'll be blessed wherever they go, and they'll be blessed coming back to us at the appropriate time, Lord. I thank you by your grace, through faith that we are adding to them, they will fulfill every assignment that you have for them on the face of the earth at a level the world isn't familiar with for your honor and glory. In Jesus' name, in Jesus', in Jesus name. name, Pastor. Amen. 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 Praise God. Hallelujah. And those of you that uh, wanted to partner uh, or, and to purchase a product, either give them to Lynn out there at the table or bring them up here to me. So we don't, don't leave them there because they're going to strike this set and they'll be lost. Amen. So if you could help us out, we're going to be transitioning this room into uh, getting ready for worship night. So if you could help us just by gathering, make sure you gather your stuff. And if you want to visit, maybe go out in the lobby and uh, connect.